Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful in oil country and around the world. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. Happy folks in Edmonton tonight, and uh, you and I are two of them. But there's a whole lot more than uh, us that are celebrating a fairly monumental occasion. It's amazing, eh? Wasn't that a, what an amazing season. And I know it was mentioned uh, at the start of the year as a possibility. I, I certainly thought it was a possibility in 56 games. Yeah, but to see that. it realized is just, it's just spectacular. And the way they did it tonight, too, eh? The way they did it, the way they, so those last two goals uh, were just classics. So, Bruce, um, on the occasion of Connor McDavid's 100th point in 53 games and Edmonton's 4-3 victory over the Vancouver Canucks, we are doing our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast. And because, because it was a big night for the Oilers, we'll do two good things each. So, um, why don't you start it off? Yeah, well, you've got the real, real big thing, but I, I, I'm going to, well, I'm going to single out two things, but my big thing's pretty big. Leon Dreisaitl scored his 500th career point tonight on an absolutely wicked shot on the power play that uh, uh, simply beat the goalie uh, across the net. And... Uh, 475 games it took Leon to reach 500 points. Uh, pretty impressive feat. Uh, not too many do it in under 500 games, that's for sure. And uh, he's done so, and he just continues to power onwards and upwards. Uh, then a few minutes later, he got his 501st career point on another wicked drive on the power play uh, that will forever be remembered not as Leon's goal, but as Connor's assist that was his 100th point of the season and what I liked the most out of Leon from these two goals was the degree of his celebration for his own amazing milestone 500 points age 25 and Connor's 100th point and he was way more excited when McDavid scored and that was a that was a the, the the, the the old bear hug and the uh, goal celebration from Leon to Connor after he snapped at home and fitting it was that uh, Connor was in the middle of a passing play uh, started with Darnell Nurse and ended with uh, Leon Dreisaitl, uh you know the his sort of core buddies on the team since the day he arrived here and uh, they've been uh, uh, definitive players for Edmonton every year as. Uh, uh, as their time together has gone along, and uh, uh, none more so, I think, than this year, that uh, they're all raising their games again still further. So anyway, 500 points for Leon, two more goals. That's my good thing. Three games in a row with two goals for Leon. He had a little bit of a slump there. Say goodnight to that. Well, my good thing, what, I got a, another good thing here, Bruce, is that I think that we, we've been experimenting with going live and I think we are live. I'm just going to tweet this out here. So just uh, give me a second. Just give me one second. You guys are live. I All right. Craig, Craig Ellingson has just told me. I just, just tweeted it out, Bruce. 
right. just tweeted it out. And uh, so if people want to follow us. Anyway, let's continue on. Bruce, I love those. I call those, I'm calling those the executioner shots. where Because it's like he's swinging a scythe. Like he, his, his, I was trying to think, what does it resemble? It was reminding me of something. And it's just like a, you know, a scythe cutting through whatever. You know, he's the grim reaper with that, with, with those shots. They're just, they're so deadly. And, uh, and uh, he pulled it off. Okay. My, my good thing, Bruce is, you know, of course, everyone's, we're all elated. Connor McDavid made this incredible target and forever in the history books, it's going to look great because it's going to be like, you know, this guy had 80 points, this guy had 73, and then 100 points in, in 56 games or how many games McDavid plays. Maybe he'll get a game off here. We'll see. But it just looks it looks good in the history books. It looks dramatic, and it, and it has been dramatic all year long. He's been playing with uh, an incredible amount of passion. And it was interesting because I, I just love Dreisaitl's quote where he said, you know, Connor says this doesn't matter to him, which I, I didn't personally believe, but... This matters to us getting a hundred points for him, and um, I, I thought it still probably mattered to McDavid. And I'll tell you, I've, I've never seen him smile like that, Bruce. I've never seen Connor McDavid with an ear-to-ear -ear grin. I, I hope everyone in Toronto can read his facial expressions now, Bruce. That's all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. He looked like a very, very happy Edmonton Oiler there, and uh, it, it was just, it was, it was. He was, he was. Grinning like he was a yes, a pulley RV. And um, the funny, there was one funny, uh, to top it all off, the cherry on top of all this, Bruce, is the sour grapes out of Calgary. So on Twitter tonight, CTV uh, weekend anchor Chris Epp in Calgary uh, tweets, quote, Congratulations to Connor McDavid for curing cancer tonight, apparently. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Is he in the sports department? Or I is don't he... know. I know he's. A, I think he's a news anchor. I just, I just love it. I love the sour grapes. I just think that's so sweet. That's uh, that's pretty special. Alrighty, what is your second good thing? Yeah, uh, I got to go with the penalty kill. Uh, Edmonton's uh, uh, penalty kill was in charge tonight, uh, in control. Vancouver did get. Uh, uh, five shots on net, but they also had uh, five power play opportunities. I don't think too many of the chances were dangerous, and most of the penalty kill involved Edmonton winning battles, getting the puck down the ice, and then winning more battles in Vancouver territory and giving them trouble getting out and up the ice. And in the third period in particular, I thought they were terrific. And they had to close down a couple of Vancouver power plays protecting that one goal lead down the stretch and they just dominated and they said on the broadcast and I have no reason to disbelieve them that Edmonton's allowed three power play goals against in 18 games I mean, that's fantastic uh, that was one thing this year I thought yeah I think Edmonton can probably duplicate the power play from last year that was first in the league and indeed it's first in the league again uh, but I wondered if they'd be able to capture lightning in a bottle again on the penalty kill and they did have a tough start but they've just got better and better and better as the season has gone along on the penalty kill and uh, it's uh, reputedly a specialty of Dave Tippett and I've seen nothing during the two years that he's been here that would dissuade me from uh, uh, from that notion 
I think they're back in, Bruce. What I'm noticing is that the uh, the forwards aren't allowing any of the um, you know the high low angle seam passes. It's much more rare than it was earlier in the year. But the defense in front of the net. Um, I mean, Adam Larson is, is having a, a you know he's having a Rod Langway kind of season in terms of being a defensive defenseman this year. That's how good he is. And uh, you know he played uh, three thirty-five on the kill. Nurse was at five forty on the kill. Darnell Nurse has just been amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, Ethan Bear really battles well on the penalty kill. I think they're they're all getting it down. They miss Clefbaum quite a bit on the penalty kill. He had developed last year into quite a spectacular penalty killer, making all the right reads and plays. And I think they missed him early on. But I think that um, all the other guys are picking it up. And they're really relying heavily on Nurse in this situation, obviously. So it's just part of the load that he he carries on his back every single night. But uh, yeah, um, the forwards are the forwards are in sync. But I, I think the defensemen are the are the key here, and the goalie, of course. Not a lot of big saves. Was was there how many how many did they get on the power play the, the Canucks tonight? Let me just check well, they had here. Five shots. So I don't know how many of them were grade A chances. So okay, up power play. Let me just check here, Bruce. Two. Two of them. Yeah. There was, um, yeah, one. Um, there was a one off a faceoff, mm-hmm. and then there was the uh, two on one after Horvat made that weird high stick play that wasn't called in his own end yeah. to shoot the puck up the ice, and they got a two on one off of that. Mm-hmm. So those were the two chances. Yeah, that was a legal play that they completely missed. If Vancouver had scored there, Edmonton might have challenged that, and they would have won the challenge if they did challenge it because. Uh, the puck was a good six feet in the air. Horvat kind of did the overhand chop of it as Nurse tried to grab it on the rebound. And all of a sudden, there was three orders trapped and away went the Canucks. Well, that was one where uh, I think it was, we couldn't really blame any of the defensive players because they weren't really beaten by hockey play. All right, we're getting some comments here, Bruce. This is from Chance Harvey. He says, it's about time you guys started your live stream. I hated having to wait hours for it to get uploaded. And here's from Dwayne Newfeld. Would be a good idea to adjust the volume on either David or Bruce. David is way louder. So what I'm going to do... Yeah, we had this problem last time. We've had, we didn't have this problem when we did the Skype podcast, but we're having it now. And we had it um, previously when we were using some different technology. So... Same issue with this time, Bruce. Anyway, I'm going to just push my thing a little further away from me, and maybe you sit a little closer to your mic, and we'll see if we can make it work. It's about right on top of it, because our trial podcast, we, ha- we had noticed the same issue. And yeah. David says with Skype or with Google Hangouts that we used before, we used to be able to control the and balance the volume a little bit. But uh, Well, we'll try to work, figure it Work in progress, folks, and uh, we'll, we'll uh, get better at it. It's good to get the input, though, right in, in live, and we can see if we can adjust here. All right, Bruce, my, uh, my good thing, my second good thing, was the play of the top line. And this is a top line um, I've been wanting to see since the start of the year. You know, is the one, because I, I thought, let's reunite the dynamite line of Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto. And the funny thing is they have been reunited for about 100 minutes now, and they haven't played that spectacularly. They haven't really clicked like they did last year. This uh, line of Cahoon, Puliarvi, and McDavid has only been together for about 50 minutes now. But they're, Bruce, they look good. This, this line looks like it could work. And uh, to me, that's an exciting thing. So why, you know, 
works because it's got Connor McDavid, obviously. But um, Dominic Cahoon is a very interesting player. He he is he is the uh, ultimate kind of complementary player, and that he's not he doesn't really want to carry the puck that much. I don't think he likes moving that puck. And I've noticed he's uh, been playing with an extra spring in his step, going a little bit faster and harder. And uh, tonight, right off the hoppers, he set up, um, Cahoon set up Puliarvi for a great chance. He went um, angle, angle seam pass, and Puliarvi got a really good backhand shot right off the, right off the top. Early in the second, um, uh, Cahoon almost scored. McDavid uh, seemed to pass right uh, across the whole goal crease, front of the goal crease area to Cahoon. And Cahoon kind of muffed it a little bit, but then he did get a, a good shot off. And finally, Bruce, and this is something that could be a dramatic development for the Edmonton Oilers, if this can be done consistently. Puglio Arvey's goal was in many ways my favorite goal of the night because we all know that Leon Dreisaitl can execute the executioner's shot. He can get that one-timer and, and just kill with it. But in the last couple of games we've seen Pugliarvi, this I think is it is it two games in a row or two out of three games where he has scored this kind of goal, absolutely drilling the puck um, off a one-timer shot. And that is so significant. If McDavid and he can, if, if, because it frees up Drysdale then to lead his own line. It really does. And the reason I like this top line is, um, and I wrote this when I was when this was first when it was announced again on Friday they were doing it was when Drysdale and McDavid are together. McDavid is looking for Drysdale. Drysdale is looking for him. And, and JP's kind of and or Yamamoto, whoever it is, they're kind of filling in. You know, they're just doing what they can to to help out and trying to cover on the back check and and win some pucks in front of the net and in the corners. When it's just McDavid and Puliarvi, McDavid is now trusting this player. 23-year-old Finn had his b- big birthday party on, happy birthday on the ice the other day. And um, he's looking for him. And Puliarvi is going to take this next step in his game and become a, a bit of a sniper, someone who can score goals. But he's got to be able to finish or McDavid's just going to be frustrated with all his great passes gone awry, which is what we've seen all year long, right? With R&H, couldn't score. Uh, we've seen it with other players getting his passes, but now Pugliarvi starting to drain these shots. So we'll see if he can do it consistently. Um, not going to happen all the time, but I, I'm starting to think, yes, yes, uh, <laughs> you're going to be able to do that. Your thought? Yes, indeed, yes. Uh, my thought is that now in his last uh, uh, 15 games, he's got seven goals, five assists, and he is a... a a major plus player, I think plus nine or ten over that time, and he's really starting to find the net. And he, you know, he's this is two games in a row he scored on a wicked one timer on his stick, off his stick, upstairs, right in the top of the net both times with uh, with hard one timers, and those are the kind that they either hit the goalie or they go in. And he's been uh, finding the holes, and you know, I think his shooting percentage might be running a little hot, but. Uh, uh, it was running a little cold earlier in, this, in the year, and those things tend to balance out, and that's what it's doing right now. And it's uh, it's good to see that uh, that he's he does indeed have a finishing touch. You know, lots of people said when they ordered signed him this year, they just hoped he would be a 15 goal scorer, 15 to 20 goal scorer. And I always thought they were talking about an, over an 82 game season, so to, you know, lower your yeah. expectations 10 goals for a 56 game season. Well, tonight he scored his 15th. 
So he is a 15 goal scorer as of now. And he doesn't have time to get to 20, but uh, if this were a regular uh, full season, he'd be on pace for uh, 23 or 24 at this point in time. And just an awesome development. He's taken a, some real major strides forward uh, this season, and some of them just in the last month or so. I, that line, overwhelming um, shot totals tonight, right? They were... Um, uh, Cahoon was 50, when he was on the ice, and, and generally with Pugliarvi and McDavid, 15 shots for and one against for, for that line, for that trio. Pugliarvi 17 and three, and McDavid 17 and four. So that line was, it was, it had it going on. And uh, did the owners ever need that for the playoffs? I, I really do believe, I'm, I'm in the McDavid on one line, Drysaddle on the other line, Camp. Now the Dynamite line just has to crank it up, so we, we'll see. Mm -hmm. We'll see if if that can happen. Uh, tonight, Yamamoto drew a key penalty, and they're they're not finishing their plays, but uh, they they had some looks, but uh, they got out. You know, they got out shot for the time that they were out there by a significant margin, so they were far from dominating play. Indeed. Bruce, what is your bad thing? Yeah, I'm going to single out a, a good player who had a good game but made a very bad play. This is Darnell Nurse, Edmonton's number one defenseman who played something north of 27 minutes tonight, had a couple of assists. But on the 4-on-4 four four in the second period with a 2 nothing lead, may I add, uh, and for now let's forget that this was a meaningless game that didn't matter if they won or not. Uh, with the 2 nothing lead, you don't do what he did, but he did it anyway. Uh, and clearly this was in search of getting points and getting getting to 100 for McDavid. But he made a uh, tried to make an 84-and-a-half-foot pass along the blue line from basically one boards to a pass receiver, McDavid, on the very far boards. And that's a long way for a pass along the blue line to travel. And guess what? It didn't get there because J.T. Miller poached it stepped up and picked it off at the at the uh, basically the far face-off dot and he was in clear all alone for the breakaway goal that brought Vancouver back into the game at two to one so that particular play he just he went for it and he paid the price it was a low percentage uh, pass that uh, went awry so I'll uh, I'll single out that play yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, single out some defensive, and it was a little bit of a loosey-goosey affair tonight. Uh, yeah. The scoring chances in the second period were 10 to 8, which is sometimes what you'll get a total for an entire game, right? Overall, it was 15 to 11, but that second period was like they decided they were both the Harlem Globetrotters and were going to just uh, start to make the fancy plays. Well, they were both um, the Washington Generals, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> My... Uh, my bad thing, I, I just, I've been thinking about the three rookie defensemen, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Caleb Jones, not rookies anymore. Second year, I guess, Loggison's a rookie. William Loggison, Caleb Jones, and Ethan Bear. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ethan Bear has rounded into form, and he's playing pretty well. Um, it's not much of a vote of confidence, though, is it, what's happened with with uh, Jones and Loggison this year. You know, they had, they had put in their time. And what do they do at the start of the year? They bring in veteran Slater Cuckoo. Mm -hmm. And then they trade for Dmitry Kulikov. So there's a, I, uh, uh, there's a little bit of a, 
a message being sent there that the coach, you might be part of the future, but you're not necessarily being counted on in the present. And I think it's games tonight that we might see some of the wisdom of that decision, Bruce. Um, game, like Jones made five major mistakes on grade A chances against, according to our count. Bear made three and Lagasin made three. A defenseman will, you know, a defenseman who's doing his job is going to make about one a game. But when you get to two or three, that's iffy. When you get to about five, well, that's where the coach is thinking you're really iffy. And we like all these players. We've praised all these players in the past. Caleb Jones is a fantastic puck-moving player. Uh, William Lagasin can play tough and smart. And Ethan Bear has a, has a solid all-around game. But they do struggle now and then. And, and we saw it, I think, on the, 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 what was it, the third goal, fourth goal for Vancouver, where they come busting on over the line and Ryan McLeod gets beat uh, at the line. It's the third goal. Yeah. No, it's the fourth. Yeah, the th they didn't score four goals. <laughs> it's their third goal. So McLeod gets beat at the blue line. Jones is just giving up too much gap. And... Um, he, he's, he's, in, he's backed up too far, and he allows the pass over uncontested. And Bear is slow getting on the shot, and he screens the goalie, and it's a goal. So these are all just kind of small, quick and small mistakes, Bruce. Um, but they, they added up to a goal against, and we saw a lot of these quick and small mistakes. Today I did a post, Bruce. I don't know if you saw it, but I did. We... In our scoring chances document, we not only say if a player made a major mistake on a scoring chance, we categorize what kind of mistake it was. Turnover or, uh, you know, allowed the pass into the slot, allowed the slot shot. And defensemen are going to allow lots of slot shots and passes into the slot. This just goes with the territory. I think what, what kills the coach, though, is when they, when they do, they allow a breakaway. They allow a two-on-one. They make a bad pinch. They make a bad line change. And the worst of all is a turnover because turnovers you in your own zone are really hard to recover from. They can be back in back of the net in an instant. Instant. So the interesting thing about a, a player like Chris Russell, one of one of these veterans who was who's been here forever now. This year, Bruce, he has made zero, zero turnovers that has led to a Grade A scoring chance against Chris Russell. Wow. Caleb Jones in in, in le fewer minutes has made six. And Ethan Barron, slightly more minutes, has made 10. If you look at these, all these kind of bad um, mistakes in total, Chris Russell has made one-tenth the rate that Caleb Jones has made of them. So overall, um, Russell makes about half the, uh, a number of mistakes that Jones makes. But when it comes to these real ones that, get, that might get the coach looking at you with a funny look in his, in his eyes, Jones is making a lot more than, than uh, Chris Russell. So I, I don't want to make, too, I've made a lot of it already. So I just want to back away from that and say, I don't want to make too much of this. Um, these, are, these are players that are still developing and I think all are NHL players. But for people who wonder like, why does the coach play Chris Russell? Or why does he keep going back to, why is he going to go to Kulikov? I think to me, the, it's, it's so obvious when you just watch, watch the big glaring chance plays and see who's making the mistakes. It's not so much Chris Russell, and it's more often these younger guys.
Yeah, well, I mean, the puck movers make up for um, some defensive woes with, uh, you know, with positive plays, getting the puck moving in the right direction, which is an area in which Chris Russell is heavily criticized and with cause. Um, but uh, Russell is, you know, old, reliable, dependable, uh, veteran defenseman, and those are all words that coaches love. And I, I am kind of seeing what you're seeing in terms of when it comes time for the playoffs, I, I'll be uh, surprised if we don't see Russell in there, to, uh, to be frank. Yeah, I just, there's going to come a time when they, when they just need to shut down the other team and play a super safe game mm -hmm. and have super safe moments in the game. That might actually be the first playoff game where they decide to go this route. I just would be surprised if Dave, Dave Tippett, so my prediction is we're going to see a lot of Chris Russell, although he's been hurt, so we'll see how that develops. Bruce, what is your... What's your they number? Did, they did shut oh, down go ahead. the game in the third period tonight, though, didn't they? After they did. Wild and crazy second period, and they 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 uh, got the milestones they wanted just before the end of the second period, and the scoring chances went from ten to eight in the second period to zero to one in the third, and the shots on net went from nineteen to twelve to three to eight, as Edmonton basically concentrated on shutting things down and holding the one goal lead through the whole third period which they've done successfully a number of times and did again tonight so that's i mean that's kind of uh the coach's ideal i think and to the young defenseman's credit tonight they didn't uh have a lot of trouble in that third period so mind you they played they went more to the veterans uh, uh nurse and larson played quite a lot down the stretch of course I just want to ask people uh, who are listening on YouTube, um, how does the sound sound at this point? Because we can still make adjustments as we're going along here, although we're we're uh, almost almost done. Um, I'm trying to. But, I don't know how to where the uh, where the, how, how to adjust my mic yet, but that's something obviously we're going to need to work on. Yeah, maybe Craig is sending we'll me talk friend. right into the mic. <laughs> Speak into the mic. Mm -hmm. Oh, my number. Uh, yeah. Yeah, your number. Uh, I got lots of numbers, and they all got to do with Connor McDavid. Uh, but how about this? Uh, in uh, uh, Edmonton's last 14 games now, they scored 47 goals, and Connor McDavid has 36 points. So 36 out of 47. So he's literally been in on over three-quarters of the goals. That's a, a double-edged sword in that. It's great that we have this super power uh, uh, you know uh, superhero with magic powers that can make stuff happen but 11 goals from the entire rest of the roster that on plays that he wasn't involved with in 14 games isn't that impressive I mean this series against Vancouver four games 16 goals for the Oilers 13 points for like he it's he's driving it seems like the entire offense and on the season now, the Oilers have 170, 174 goals, and McDavid has 100 points. So he's in on almost 57.5% of, uh, of the offense, which Wayne Gretzky's greatest season, the great Wayne Gretzky, greatest scorer of all time, uh, was a shade under 51% because the Oilers' second line scored a lot, and their depth scores scored a little bit. And uh, uh, Whereas it seems like, 
as we're wrapping up here, it's more and more McDavid. And, I mean, the good news is he's wrapping up. 36 points in 14 games is positively Gretzkyan, right? That's over two and a half points a game, which if you stretch it out over a full 82-game season, is over 200 points, which only the great Wayne Gretzky has ever done in the history of the NHL. It's only 14 games, but it's been a pretty convincing 14 games, hasn't it? Mark Simpson says, Bruce is the most underrated cult of hockey member. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I rate you highly, Bruce. I rate you highly. So does Kurt. Um, my number is his McDavid scoring chances tonight. He was in made major contributions to 11 grade eight chances, which is about double his number. Are you going to give him a 10? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. That's what I thought. Um, this achievement just can't be ignored in the end. And he played a great enough game tonight. You know what, Connor McDavid blocked three shots tonight. Most on the Oilers. He blocked three shots. And his face-offs were pretty good too, right? And it was 11 right? out of 16 on the face-off dot for 69% best on the Oilers. Like, he, he certainly carried the team in this game. Uh, so just on the basis of this game alone, but the 100-point achievement is more, uh, you know, it's it's he's getting bonus point for what he's accomplished for the season as a whole, which bumps him from an ordinary old nine outstanding game, which he does regularly to the full 10. I, I feel I have no choice. I, I, I feel like Bruce that he's raised, he's reached another, another level of being a superstar. And in hockey there, at least in our lifetime, at least in mine as a hockey fan, you go, you go back to Gordie Howe so before me. But there's been two, Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. And he's knocking on that door really loud right now. Because, you know, I've always kind of in my mind compared him to superstars like Guy Lafleur and um, Pavel Bure and Ver Valerie Harlamov and Mike Medano. These kind of super smooth, super fast speed players. But there's a different, there's a different element of in his game this year in terms of kind of guile and intensity fooling the shooter fooling the goalie with his shit, um bearing down in the game and and competing at a at a at a gretzky like level of intensity or a bobby clark like level of intensity and and this is the this is the other element i'm starting to see in his game he's starting to bring these the elements of of combining a Lafleur kind of player with a Bobby Clark kind of player, and that's a player Bruce who could win in the playoffs. And so the one, you know, obviously for Connor McDavid's, you know, legend and his stature in the game to grow ever higher, he's got to win a Stanley Cup. That's got to happen. Uh, there's still time for that, and I, he's trend and this he's trending in you know by bringing that nasty, ferocious Bobby Clark element into his game, he's trending in that direction. It's all it's coming together for him as a player right now in a way that it has never done before. And he he is rising to that very highest level of NHL. Absolutely fantastic superstar. Yeah, well, you know what? He's certainly raised the physical level of his game. Uh, and he's up to uh, before tonight, 60 hits, uh, which is career high before this uh, before now was 39. And as mentioned, this is a short season, right? I mean, 
uh, he'd be on pace for something very close to 100 hits at that rate, which is like well over double his his uh, established rate. And hits are an imperfect measure, of course, like many hockey stats. I don't capture everything. But as a proxy for physicality, it's not too bad. And, and and McDavid has really stepped it up in that department. And he does, he punishes guys when he hits them too. Okay? I mean, he's so fast and strong that when he hits them, they stay hit. And so he's, uh, he's, and I think he's, he's realizing that he's not going to get a million calls. So he might as well just power through and give as good as he gets. And I think that's working for him. I just want to say if anyone, just before we sign off, we can answer, if anyone has any questions about tonight's game, we're happy to answer uh, any questions that anyone has. Uh, and, uh, you know, Bruce, it wasn't just, it's just, of course, it's not just McDavid, but we've seen this from Settle from years, the physical element, and he drilled, was it, did he, who did he drill, Miller? Tanner Pearson. Oh, Pearson, Tanner Pearson. Pearson yeah. nailed him earlier in the shift, and Settle hit him almost identical hit on the opposite boards about 25 seconds later as they were both going off for a line change and uh, and and talked afterwards too like you know if you're going to take runs at me you better keep your head up buddy because i'm quite capable of taking runs at you and you establish that and you know next time rather than maybe have to absorb it a hard hit from tanner pearson that uh, uh his opponent might you know think twice and say well if i nail him he's going to nail me and he might nail me harder uh, or it might be one of those opponents that you just have to you have to get involved and take the hit and give the hit back. But you got you got to stand up for yourself, and Leon sure did there. I really like that. Here's a question from Chance Harvey Bruce. Thoughts on Smith tonight, boys? Yeah, uh, so so. Uh, he, I mean, he he uh, his puck handling was a bit of an adventure a couple of times. And yet at other times he made at least two, I thought, great stretch passes in this game. Uh, I thought his puck handling was very good in the third period. And he shut her down. It wasn't anywhere close to his best game, but it certainly was good enough. Uh, and uh, he made a couple of big saves at key moments. And he got bailed out on a, uh offside challenge, successful offside challenge that uh, Tippett called on a play where Ethan Bear forced the offside and the Alliance missed it, but uh, they certainly got it on the review. And overall, like, you know, Smith was good, not great. Yeah. He, uh, he looked, uh, he looked, uh, I'm just look, tr trying to look up his, his record. What's his record now, Bruce, do you recall? Uh, his oh, one loss record. Yeah. Uh, let me just check here. Good. Anyway, like he, he, I wrote a piece earlier this week, and Jonathan Willis wrote a similar piece uh, mm -hmm. where we looked at him compared to other goalies. Um, 20. 20 wins now and six, losses six, and six two and other two losses. overtime. He's, he's got, I think, the best uh, winning percentage of any 38-year-old, 38-39-year-old uh, 38, goalie in NHL history is having the best year. So this really, this really bodes well for him. All right. Who would you like to see with McLeod, Bruce? Asks Jake. I thought his speed is underutilized with Neil and Chase on. Who would you like to see with McLeod? I actually didn't mind that because Neil and Chase on need someone with them who can really skate. And that's where we've seen Kara in the middle and in the past on that line. And it's certainly a big, heavy line, but none of them is a real speedster, uh, whereas McLeod really is. 
Uh, so I, I didn't hate that. And, you know, I, I'm... He almost scored tonight. Neil made a great pass to McLeod to set him in clear, and he all oh, it was a very, very good save by uh, Thatcher Demko that uh, that prevented um, uh, his first NHL goal. But we haven't seen really enough sort of offensive flair from him to say he belongs in the top six just just yet. But uh, you know, wherever he fits in the bottom six, like you've got. Tonight they wanted to go back with 14, 15, 16 as their main checking line uh, with uh, Kara between Shore and Archibald. And so McLeod got the other guys, and they were the two big veteran wingers. And I thought they were okay. 14, 15, and 16, the teeny bopper line. Yeah. Uh, I I actually, I'm, I'm with you, Bruce. I like McLeod with uh, Chase on and Neil. Partly because I like Chase on and Neil. I think that they, especially in the playoffs, they came through last year. They were some of the few Oilers players who really brought their A game. They're big, rugged guys who are solid defensively and can get in and forecheck. Um, so we, combine that with a young guy with some real speed to scare the other team. That's a line that could work. You know, I, you know, you could try, I guess. I, I know some people really want to see Ennis. And the line of Ennis, Kara, and Archibald was quite good earlier this year. So I wouldn't be averse to seeing that. But I don't mind Shore either. I'm fine with either of those players. But I think they have the makings of two fairly decent playoff um, bottom uh, third and fourth lines there. So I'm, I'm all for that. All right, let's see. Uh, man, these questions come by so fast, Bruce. You can actually go on YouTube and, and see uh, okay. on the journal website, Edmonton Journal YouTube. And uh, someone was asking, should they, um, should they rest players, in your opinion? Should they rest players? Okay, here's from Steven. Do you rest the big guys and risk playing Montreal in the first round or play to win and ensure we face the Jets? I can go first on that one. Yeah, go I, for it. Uh, heck if I know. <laughs> That's a that's a very I don't know if Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl want to be rested for one thing. Like I don't I don't know if that's in their DNA. So so you have to you have to run it by those guys, you know. And then will they would they even ask? Would they ever ask to be to sit out? I don't think they would ask. I don't I just think they want to be there. They want to be part of this. This is their life. This is what they do. They don't want to sit. And so should Tippett play them 15 minutes a game instead of 25 minutes a game? Yes. I, I will definitely say that. Um, I guess Shea Weber's out and now Deneau's out. So this, there was some bad karma for those two players for all their dirty tricks in the last game against the Oilers, and now they're both banged up and out. So um, Tom Wilson got hurt tonight too. I know. Oh, there you go. A, a, a three. Karma. Uh, yeah. Bad karma comes in threes. So Montreal is two points back of Winnipeg. They have only only the two games left against Edmonton. And Winnipeg has the tiebreaker. So basically, if Winnipeg wins one of their remaining three games, uh, they're, they're in third place. And, of course, Edmonton's locked into second. In fact, the early games tonight uh, clinched before they dropped the puck. Toronto was wrapped up first, and Edmonton had wrapped up second, and they had nowhere to go. So winning this game was actually a secondary consideration, and they, they played it that way for two periods. Uh, but then they got down to business in the end. So I think it will be Winnipeg just by by virtue, because I know the Jets, I think they got at least one game left against the Canucks. So they've got uh, 
I think they've got a favorable schedule. Let's just have a quick look at Winnipeg's remaining slate. So weird, eh? Tonight was supposed to be the last game of the entire season. Uh, there was all these games scheduled. Uh, Winnipeg plays Vancouver, Vancouver, and Toronto to end the season. So two home games against Vancouver on uh, on um, Monday and Tuesday. You got to think they're going to win at least one of those games, and that will get them lock up third place for them. Elliot Friedman was suggesting that there's going to be a big gap between the end of the regular season and the playoffs starting for the Canadian teams. Did you hear him say that tonight? Thought I heard him say that. Pardon me, Bruce? No, I didn't. Thought I did. Well, maybe someone will have to fact check me on that. But I think that is the case. And uh, if that's the case, then it's, there's less of a need to you know worry about resting any player. But again, I don't think McDavid or Drysaddle want to be rested. I think Connor McDavid would like to now score 110 points. Mm -hmm. So... 112, man. <laughs> two, per, two per game if he gets to 112. Wow. He only needs three, three fours to get to that. I'd say only with, you know, with a twinkle of my eye. But geez, the way he's going, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Henry Lim says, David, will the team get vaccine shots to get side effects, sore arms out of the way before the pluffs? Uh, Henry, we, we don't know. Like, we're not insiders. We're just guys who watch the games on at the TV at home. So we're not really privy to that kind of inside information. Um, one would hope that is that, hey, it's the vaccines available to going to be available to pretty much everyone on Monday, right? And just, I can't imagine the owners will put it off. And uh, there seems to be a lot of vaccine. So, and it's first come first serve. So I hope, I hope they got, you know, their fingers on the phone first thing Monday morning and make those calls and get that team vaccinated as quickly as possible. So. They were talking about the American teams being vaccinated, and what they were talking about fully vaccinated, having both their shots, and two weeks after the second shot, and and once teams uh, writ large reach that milestone, they're rela getting uh, relaxing the uh, restrictions on those teams. So, but that's a pipe dream for the Canadian teams. I mean, they'll be doing well if they get one shot, and I can't imagine them going for a second one at any point during the playoffs, especially. Second one's supposed to have a bigger kick than the first. All right, well, Bruce, uh, we're getting we're getting some more things about the volume on your thingamadoo. I know that's frustrating for you, but yeah. we'll figure this out. We will figure this out, and I, I know that you're frustrated by that. But we have been through bigger technical problems than this, Bruce, and we have solved them half the time, if not 25% of the time. So I'm sure there's 10% chance we will solve this issue. <sighs> Yeah, they must. I mean, this this new platform we're using, they must have. Uh, uh, this must come up, and there there must be a you know frequently asked questions, or there's got to be some instruction, some something I didn't do to, with my mic settings, or something that I never needed to do in the uh, in the Skype era. So, we'll work on it, and I do apologize to folks, and I hope you could at least hear some of the things that I was saying in in between David's noise. <laughs> They can, they can hear you just fine, Bruce. You just want to hear you more loud and clear instead of me yelling in their ears. So there you have it. Bruce, as always, uh, first of all, I want to thank everyone who's uh, been providing comments and has been following this live. This is an exciting thing for us. It's kind of confusing for us because we, we're going to have to look at the comments and then think about what we're saying. We're just used to talking to each other and looking at our notes. So uh, this is a whole new multimedia experience that we're probably going to 
live to regret. And, um, but no, we, uh, it, it's really cool. We, you know, we heard from so many people like, geez, you guys, your, your podcast isn't posted to like one or two hours after the game. That sucks. Right. And can you, is there anything you could do about that? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we, uh, we asked Craig, <laughs> we asked Craig Ellingson, the journal guy who's uh, editor who solves these problems and lo and behold, Craig solved the problem. Although we got a few glitches that we're still working out. So thanks everyone for participating in the live feed. And Bruce, thank you again. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Indeed, always a pleasure to talk hockey. Love it. Uh, we will, uh, and I do want to add my thanks to people for listening and for your patience as we work through the new system. The whole idea was to do live post-game podcasts for the playoffs. So this is kind of a, it's like the Oilers tonight. A few glitches, but uh, at the end of the day, we're going to come out on top. All righty. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. Hat tip to Ed Whalen.